Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. We've been, we've been in this Armor of God series in, man, I grew up in, in church, but I didn't get saved until I was 12. Uh, and there's just so many, one of the things I think that took me so long is there was just some things that I thought were corny. Uh, and I th- there was this, if you grew up in church around the early 2000s, there was a show called Bible Man. And yes, <laughs> Bible Man, he, he was dressed in purple and gold and he was kind of like a wannabe Robert Downey Jr. And so I just, I, I hated the show to be honest. And I just thought it was super weird. Um, but I love that we, this is the first time I've ever heard a series let alone be a part of a series uh, about the armor of God. And so we've been going through uh, the breastplate of righteousness. We've been going through the, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the shield of faith. And so today we're gonna be talking about the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. And we'll be reading out of Ephesians 6, 10 through 17. Come on, are you ready for God's word? It starts like this. It says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And then finally, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. 2 Corinthians 10, three through five also says this. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Come on, would you pray with me over the preaching of God's word? God, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you, Jesus. How special is it that we get to come come into this place, come together from so many backgrounds, so many different walks of life and perspectives, and we all come together to learn about you under the one name that is Jesus. We are here for you and because of you. We thank you, God, for who you are. It's in your precious name we pray, Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I'm easily swayed. We're all swayed in some form or passion, some of us more than others, but at our basic consumer self, we're swayed in some ways. There's this thing called inflation, and there's also this thing called marketing psychology that's supposed to make me okay with it, I guess. Uh, Are there any marketing psychology majors in here? No? Cool. We don't need you. Uh, No, we do need you. We don't want you, but we need you. But there's there's this thing called inflation, so here's an example. You're going to the gas station, you're thirsty, but a, doll, a, a water bottle is $1.20, right? 
But man, you see that Arizona tea for 99 cents, you're like, dang, inflation has not affected Arizona tea. Inflation has not touched this thing. But for you and I, for some reason, we feel like we're getting a steal. Like we feel like that 99 cents, that, that, that one penny is a big saving. It's a big, big saving for you and I. And so we neglect the Zephyr Hills dollar water bottle, but we're easily swayed. Another way that I'm easily swayed in is, this is very hard to admit, is conspiracy theories. And, and these, uh, these theories, I mean, you get in a YouTube wormhole, you're stuck in that thing for two hours. I mean, I'm searching for like two hours and now I actually think that Tupac is in Cuba. Like the moon is like a piece of Swiss cheese or something. And I, I, like I'm bought in. All you have to do is like use some big word like vicariously or thou or something like that. And like, you've, you've already swayed me. Like Casey, Casey, and I, Casey and I in college, uh, we used to stay up till two in the morning watching New Girl and it would, <laughs> Yeah, new girl and hot, hot Cheetos. All, so the episode would end. Casey would look at me. He'd be like, and I'd be like, what's up? Are you trying to walk to the gas station? I'm like, yes, bro, let's do it. We're easily swayed. We're so easily swayed. The longer I go on through this life, the more I realize there's things trying to pull and get my attention. There's things trying to take our attention. They're trying to move us. They're trying to sway us. And whatever has your attention typically has your thoughts as well. Whatever you have your eyes on, whatever you're focused on, it, it has your thoughts, it has your worry, it has your time. It's the things that we think about on a day-to-day basis. Our attention means everything. And the helmet of salvation is this piece of armor. It keeps us from being swayed. First, we have to know what is this helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, in the Greek language, is this word, the word helmet is translated as perikephalea, which means surrounding the head. So this, this helmet that we wear, it's, it's not like a hat. We, no, it surrounds my head. It surrounds my thoughts. It surrounds my mind. And the word salvation in the Greek says soteria, meaning deliverance. So we're actually putting on this helmet of deliverance. It's this helmet. It, it delivers me. You see, the helmet of salvation, it's the last line of defense. It's the very last thing that we put on. We've gone through the breastplate, the belt, the shoes, the shield, but it's the very last thing that we put on our head. If you've ever seen those war movies, the last thing to be put on is the helmet. Why? This is a full representation of character. This is saying, I'm in this thing. Everything else, I mean, I can do without a hand, but I cannot do without my head. I can, I can do without a big toe, but like, I cannot make decisions, I cannot move, I cannot do anything with that, without this helmet. It's the last piece of armor that we put on. And we're putting on this proverbial helmet, and it's not something that we have to strive for, work for, it's not something that we have to uh, conjure up some, some, some way to put it on. And I love what Wayne said a few weeks ago. He said, we don't fight for righteousness, we fight with righteousness. And I think the same thing applies with this helmet. We don't, we don't fight for salvation, no, we fight with it. This helmet of salvation, it's not a reward for my endurance, it's what helps me endure. It's what helps me get through. So we know this is what this helmet is, but why do we need to wear it? Why do we wear this helmet? In 2 Corinthians 10, 
5, it says this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You and I, we have this pressure on a day-to-day basis. We, we think crazy things. Like, if you took a tally of all the crazy things I thought in a day, um, you'd put me in four white walls. Um, like, I have crazy thoughts. Like, right now, I'm thinking about if a sandbag goes loose, like, I'm done. I'm done. Show's over. But, like, we think crazy thoughts, right? And we have, we have this pressure. We have this pressure of, man, why do I think some crazy things? Why do I, why do I think the things that I do? And you can't take a thought captive that you haven't yet had. You have to first have the thought in order to take it captive. So we have to take these thoughts captive. Where do my thoughts take place? My thoughts take place in my mind. They take place in my head. It's where my decisions are made. Everything that happens, it starts here. It starts in my mind. You see, I can, I can assess my thoughts and take them captive and make them obedient before acting. And the reason it's important for you and I to take this pressure off is because you're not responsible for your first thought. You're responsible for your second thought and your first action. You're responsible for your second thought and your first action. So take that pressure off of you. But still, we get to take every thought captive. I have to protect that. And I have to, and the only way to do that is by putting on the helmet. One of the first things the helmet does is it helps me assess the damages before the damage is done. It helps me assess the damages before the damage is done. For me, I didn't grow up in the perfect home, but what is the perfect home? We all have things that we struggle with. We all have uh, family members that go through some, some things. Uh, my, my dad, he struggled with alcohol when, when I was younger. Uh, my mom, she got in a really bad car accident when I was about nine years old. And this led to so many different things. It led to just different addictions and stuff. But they're here today. Uh, it's amazing. My mom is creeping up on a couple years sober. And so, yes, we can congratulate her. It's amazing. It's so cool. Love seeing that. God's doing something in my family, and I'm very thankful uh, for that. But uh, for me personally, if I'm being honest, I didn't, I didn't really struggle with all of the exact same things that they struggle with. Uh, there's... You, you know, you, get, you don't have to make the decision in order to learn from it. You can learn from watching other people. Um, but I think in this Christian world, we, we get very confused. Like, we think that grace is just for us after we make a mistake. Uh, but grace is, it's grace that you even know right from wrong. Like, it's grace, it's grace that you even know what is the right decision and what's the wrong decision. That's also wisdom, the fact that you don't have to make a mistake in order to learn from it, you actually get to learn from somebody else and watching them, that's wisdom. And so for you and I, it's, it's not just grace after we make a mistake. The Bible says it's grace upon grace. And you and I, it's grace that Jesus even tells us that he is the only way, he is the truth, and he is the life. A lot of people think that this, this saying by Jesus is very exclusive but it's actually very specific and loving that he tells us that. I heard a pastor use this analogy in Miami, and he said, if I were to invite you to my home, you need to get to my house. I'm in Miami. You're in Tampa. In order to get to my house, you're gonna have to go south. But if I didn't tell you that, and I let you go all over the place, is that exclusive, that I tell you where I, how to get to my house? Or is it specific and kind and loving that I'm telling you the way to get there. See, Jesus is being very kind by telling us that we are saved under one name, 
in one name only. It's not exclusive. Jesus lets us know that he is the way and then we become people of the way. Helps me assess the damages before the damage is done. But we all have these moments. We all have these moments where, where we forget. We all have these moments where we just jump right in. We're kicking daisies and we're just, we're just having a blast. We don't think with our head. We're not thinking logically. Uh, we just jump right in. In high school, I had this relationship and we were both just two insecure people. We, you know, it was, it was, a high, it was high school, man. How can I explain it to you better than that? I mean, that's it. And we were both just insecure, but I always found that one of us were always trying to make the other one feel better at the expense of us. And I call this a knight in shining armor syndrome. Uh, and knight in shining armor syndrome is defined as this. Knight in shining armor syndrome is when you will put yourself through the worst thoughts of yourself in order to make the other person feel good about themselves. It's devastating. It's devastating. We, we, we put ourselves through all of these thoughts, these insecurities. And can I encourage you, you do not have to be insecure about who your savior is. You don't have to be insecure about what he saves you from. First half of 2 Corinthians 10.5 says this. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Can I encourage you today? You don't have to be insecure. We can stand on the fact that he is who he says he is and he does what he says he's going to do. We have to know. You gotta know who he is. And if you don't know, I have a list for you. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the author and the finisher of your life and everything that has ever happened and is to come. He is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. He is loving Father. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I love this. He is the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. He knows the insects in the field. He knows the numbers of hairs on your head. He is everlasting father. He is healer. He is the great I am. He is the lifter of my head. He is the protector of the widow. He is the strength of my salvation. He is the sustainer of my soul. And he is the very great reward. The enemy, this world, there are things that want to stack itself up to the knowledge that you have of Jesus. The revelation that you have had about God. He wants, to, he wants to lie. There, there's a culture, there's a world. The, the enemy is, he is the father of lies. And so he is not like in my ear, but he has set this culture and he's, he's set this and established this so that you and I could believe and be distorted and be insecure about some of the things that we know. We have to know who he is. This fight is not against flesh and blood. Ephesians 6, 12 says it's against the rulers and authorities the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's an enemy that wants to lie to you. This word stronghold that Paul is talking about, uh, a stronghold in this time was, it was a place in a fortress that politicians, leaders, uh, treasures, all, all, these, all these people and these things would go to the stronghold and it was impenetrable. You could not get through it. And the only way to get through it was if the the enemy were to conquer the fortress and then take over the stronghold. And so when he's talking about we have the ability to demolish strongholds, he's comparing the lies that you and I believe to be true as a fortress. The lies that you and I believe to be true are a fortress. And so we don't do it in our own strength. We do it with the strength of Jesus. 
we have a good hope in this fight. In this fight, it keeps us trusting and it keeps us rejoicing. This is why we wear it. We wear it so we can avoid sinful thoughts. We can, we can avoid uh, and understand what is good and true. We have to wear that helmet to protect our thoughts from our upbringing, from our disappointments, from sin, from our environment. We have to do this on the daily because it's human nature for you and I to stop pursuit. We stop pursuit because there's so many distractions. There's so many things trying to take our sight. So in order to continue in this fight, we have to continually keep our minds on Christ. You might be saying, okay, this is great and all. This is why I need it. But like, how do I put this on? How do I put this helmet of salvation on? And I have three things that'll help us to put it on. The first one is this. We do it by taking responsibility. This one's, this one's a hard one. Um, it's honestly hard for me to write as well, but you're responsible for how you act no matter how you feel. And I think it's very specific that Jesus tells us, or he doesn't say that our feelings will always align with truth. What you feel is real, but not everything you feel is true. And so for you and I, we, I would be remiss if, if I didn't acknowledge the fact that there's people in this room, you've been through some pretty terrible things, some awful things, some things self-induced, maybe decisions you've made, maybe some things that have happened to you, things that people have said, things that people have done. But I wanna encourage you today is that you are a victor because you have Jesus. You are victorious because you have Jesus. And so for you and I, we, we take on this responsibility. We take on because we are responsible for what has happened. It's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. We have to take hold of this. We have to take control of our thoughts because whatever has your head has you. Uh, I was in Mexico this year and it was very fun. We, we went on a mission trip with some of our, our crew uh, here in, in, in uh, our church, and it was amazing. It, we did so much work and, and different stuff, but, man, I was exhausted by Thursday. And all week long, they were talking about, oh, Friday, that's the free day. You're going to have so much fun. I'm like, sick. But all week, they were saying, uh, there's horses. You can ride horses. And me, I've never ridden a horse. Like, I've ridden a camel at Laurie Park Zoo, but, like, <laughs> It was like this lady just walking with it. <laughs> I mean, that's the closest I've, I don't even know if they're related, uh, but they got families. But I was, I was so excited to ride this horse. And it, it, was so, it, was, it was so scary at first because I'm riding this thing. And they don't tell you it's, it's like, it's not majestic. Like you watch Yellowstone and it's like awesome, but you're, you're lit, it hurts. You're, you're like, cluck, 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 cluck. And like, it's, it's like 15 minutes worth of that. It, I will never do it again. But it was terrifying at first because this horse just kept going whatever direction it wanted to go. And, and the guy rides up all Yellowstone-like on his horse. And he's like, amigo, he's like, you gotta grab the ropes. I'm like, okay. Cool. He's like, grab the ropes in the saddle. So I grab the ropes and I start tugging. And he's like, no, 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 no. Just a couple clicks. 
And then I started to notice that I was in control of this horse and it did not take much for me to get in control. It did not take much for me to start steering. But I started to notice like I was in control of this thing and I was able to go in the direction that I wanted to go. For you and I, we have to be in control. We have to be responsible. We have to take the reins. We have to be able to, to, to dissect things and see things and, and find out a different way if it's not working. You're respons- we are responsible. And the second one is this. And the band can come up. The second one is this. is First, we do it by being responsible, by taking responsibility, but we, the second one is by living in remembrance. This one can be easy, but it is so overlooked. Do you remember what it was like when Jesus saved you? Do you remember what it was like when you walked through those doors? Maybe it wasn't at a church, maybe it was in someone's home, maybe it was on the streets. Do you remember what it took? Do you remember when he saved you from, from maybe, some of you it was fear. Do you remember what it was like when he saved you from addiction? He redeemed you, he, he healed you, he heals you from your past, he, he heals you from, some of us it was just selfishness. Some of us it was just a way that we were going and we were so focused on our success, we were so focused on these different things, but he, he healed you, he saved you, he redeemed you. We have to remember, we have to keep our minds on the eternal. When we lose sight of the eternal, we can easily get overwhelmed by the physical and the finite. All these things, it all just settles. It settles at some point. For some of you, I want want you to know the world's not as on fire as you think it is. Yes, there, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on, and, but there is hope. And we have to remember who our Savior is. We have to remember what it took for him to go to that cross. Because in this battle, my salvation, my salvation makes this battle worth it. My salvation helps me stand into whatever situation that I'm facing and I reign victorious over it. We have to remember. We have to remember the hope that we have. You have a hope that one day you'll be in heaven and you'll be with your Savior. We have to remember. We have to take responsibility. We have to remember. But we also have to receive. We we put on this helmet by receiving salvation. And Ephesians 6, 16 through 17 says this. It says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation. This word take, it's used, it's used twice in these verses. The first time take is used, it's referring to the shield of faith. And it's something I have to do. I have to take up the shield of faith. It is, it is my job, it's my responsibility. I have to pick it up. But the second time this word take is used, it's talking about receiving. It's, ha- it's handed out to you and all you have to do is just receive it. You just have to take it. You just have to take it. 
It's not by work. It's not by anything that you or I could do, but it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus. It's not a reward for endurance. It helps me endure. There's nothing you could do to earn salvation. But when you become saved, the helmet of salvation is something I put on daily. I don't earn salvation, but I have to put it on and take a stand. We take a stand with the helmet of salvation, a stand against sin, a stand against our selfish desires, against depression, against fear, against self-deprecation, against disappointment, insecurity, grief, despair, doubt, lies. It helps me take a stand for things like my calling, a stand for peace, a stand for justice. It helps us stand confidently with courage, with discernment, conviction. It gives me dominion over strongholds, over lies, over thought patterns, over arguments. The helmet of salvation helps me stand. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is take it. It's the one thing actually you're not, you're not completely overwhelmingly responsible, but, but you are in a way, this is kind of backwards, the points that I've given, you, have, you wanna receive and then be responsible and then remember the salvation. All you have to do is receive it. Nothing we could do, but everything that he's already done. Come on church, will you stand to your feet all across this room? I wanna ask two questions. And the first one is this, with every head bowed and every eye closed, place and you say, you know, this, this is great, I've this helmet, but I've never encountered this Jesus. I've never encountered this salvation and, and I want to have a relationship with Jesus. And today's the day that you want to make that decision. You've tried it on your own. You've tried it by yourself. You've done it for way too long. Today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. So on the count of three, I'm gonna count. If you wanna give your life to Jesus or you wanna recommit your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. I see you. I see you. Come on. Anybody else? I wanna give one more moment, one more opportunity. Come on, can we give it up for, the, for those people that raised their hand? Yeah. My second, my second question is this, is, it, is if you would just say, I just wanna get better at putting on this helmet day by day. I wanna take every thought captive. Would you just lift your hand all across this room? That's me, that's me too. I wanna leave us with this. First Thessalonians chapter five, it says this in the band. We're gonna go back into this song, strong and ready to take on the world. It's in chapter five, it says, you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night. And for those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And this is the best part. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through Jesus Christ. Come on, thank God. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.